Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Mackenzie campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. I want to ask you this morning, what is the best gift you've ever received? Just have a think for a moment. What was the best gift you've ever received? You know, was it waiting for you under a beautifully decorated Christmas tree? Was it a birthday present or one of those just because gifts? Was it beautifully decorated like some of our gifts here or was it one of those last minute, I can't find any wrapping paper or sticky tape kind of gifts? Was it a large gift or was it a tiny uh, gift in a little blue box? What was the best gift you've ever received? I love giving gifts and I love receiving gifts. The sight of this many presents makes me excited. I love the idea of spending time choosing a gift, wrapping a gift and giving a gift to someone that I love in the anticipation that the gift that they get is going to be loved, used and valued. I love that Christmas is coming up in a couple of months and I get uh, the opportunity again to give some gifts to my family and friends. And it's my hope that the gifts that I give them are going to be things that they use. But the truth is, I know that there's gifts that I've given with great anticipation and expectation that have actually gone unused. You know, those gifts that people open and they've got that fake smile on their face, like, ha, how amazing. I know that there's gifts that I've given that have gone unused because some of those gifts are gifts that I've given to my husband. You see, around seven years ago, when uh, we first started dating, we were getting ready to celebrate our first Christmas together as a couple. And I was a poor uni student at the time, and I saved all my pennies to be able to buy him a really nice Christmas present to show him how much I loved him. And I... uh, decided rather than just getting one big present to buy a whole lot of little things and put them together and hope that he loved what he received. But I know that some of my gifts go unused because just the other week when I was uh, doing a spring clean at home, I found that gift that I'd given him seven years ago and it was still in the cupboard, never open and never used. You see, part of the collection of gifts that I gave him that Christmas was this. Inside is a map of the world. You know, this is called a travel scratch map. And the idea is that you hang the map of the world on the wall and then you scratch off uh, all of the different countries that you've traveled to. You know, I gave this gift to him with great expectation and anticipation that one day we'd have our very own home that we could stick this map on the wall and we will have had all of these exotic holidays and gallivanted our way around the world and we could scratch off all the locations that we'd been to every time we got home. But the truth is, seven years later, it's never been taken out of the canister. 
You see, we're still renting, so we don't own our own home to hang a map on the wall. And we've also only been to a couple of countries outside of Australia. This gift that I gave with great anticipation and expectation has never been used. It's been hidden in a cupboard for seven years. Nothing's ever been scratched off. and It's never been stuck on a wall. When we give gifts, when we give presents, when we give gifts to people, it's our intention that the gifts that we give, the, the things that we've labored over, will be loved, used, and valued. You know, we don't give a gift with the expectation that it's just going to sit in the cupboard for seven years. But the gifts that we've received under a tree and the gifts that we've received for our birthday aren't the only gifts that we have been given. You see, the creator of the universe has also put gifts inside each one of us. Talents, abilities, passions that aren't there by accident. They are gifts he has given us to be used and not hidden. God has created us all uniquely. He has given us different skills, gifts, and abilities. And sometimes these are things that we share in common with other people. They're gifts and passions that we can identify and see in others as well. But sometimes they're things that are unique just to us. But nevertheless, God put them there to be used. To be used for his purposes. Not to lay dormant or go unused like that uh, scratch map. But just as we give gifts with the intention that they will be loved, used, and valued, God has gifted us with skills, abilities, talents, passions that he expects us to use for his purposes. We're going to continue our parable series this morning by looking at a parable where the master had the exact same expectation. He gave gifts or talents to his servants and he expected them to be loved, valued, and used, not hidden away. And we can see that it is God's heart for our gifts to be used through this parable. Remember, parables are stories of everyday people and places that point to an unseen spiritual reality. They make one simple point and provide a significant challenge for our everyday lives. And Jesus used parables to challenge things like our greed, our pride, our laziness, and our unfaithfulness, to call us to lives of generosity, humility, faithfulness, and mercy. Our parable today comes from Matthew chapter 25, and in the NIV, which we're going to look at this morning, it's referred to as the parable of the bags of gold. In other translations, it can be known as the parable of the talents. So if you've got your Bible with you this morning or the Bible app on your phone, I want to encourage you to open with me to Matthew chapter 25. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, the words are going to be on the screen behind me. We're going to read the parable together and then unpack it. So we're going to look at verses 14 to 30. It says this, Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. So just for our reference, uh, one bag of gold or one talent was around 6,000 denarii, 
which is around the same as uh, a one-year wage for a laborer. So it was a lot of uh, gold or a lot that they were entrusted with. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag of gold went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The one who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown, and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Talk about an ending to a parable. But throughout this parable series, we've been talking about how each parable makes one simple point. And the point of this parable, the parable of the bags of gold or the parable of the talents, is this. Be faithful with whatever you have. Six words, one statement. But what a challenge for each of us. Be faithful with whatever you have. This is exactly what servants one and two did in the parable. They were faithful with what they had been entrusted and the master commended them on that by saying, well done, good and faithful servants. But it was servant three that was not faithful and was admonished for it. So if the point of this parable is to challenge us to be faithful with whatever we have, then what does that mean? What equates faithfulness with what we have and how do we practically outwork it? Now, I believe that to be faithful with whatever we have, we first need to understand the value of what we have been given. And secondly, we need to put it to use. The master was able to identify what to entrust to each of the servants according to their ability. But each servant also had to see the value in what they had been given. In this case, it meant counting some bags of gold. 
But each servant knew and understood that they had been entrusted with the master's wealth. And when the master returned, the faithful servants identified what they had been given. Servant one said, Master, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. He knew the value of what he had been given. I want to ask you today, what gifts, what talents, what abilities has God given you? Do you see the value in them? When we talk about gifts and uh, talents and abilities this morning, I want to talk about three areas that I believe God has uh, gifted within us. Three areas where he has given us gifts that we can use for his purposes. The first one is in our head. I believe that there's knowledge that we have, experiences that we have learned from, life experiences that we've learned from, and study that we have labored over, that we can use to be a blessing to others. There's also things in our hands, skills that we have, abilities that we have been given, and resources that we have at our fingertips that can be a blessing to others. There's gifts we have in our head, there's gifts we have in our hands, and thirdly, I believe that there are gifts that God has put within our hearts. Dreams, passions, to see this world changed in his name. He's put them within our heart not to lay dormant, but to be used, to be grown. Understanding what God has put in our head, hands, and heart, and knowing the value of those things in his kingdom is one really important part of faithfulness. We can't underestimate the value of what God has put within us. It isn't there by accident. But he wants to use our gifts, our talents, our abilities, our passions, and dreams for his purposes. You know, when we look at this parable, servants one and two were not working for their own personal increase, but for their master. There was no competition in who had what or who had more. They just put what they had to work. They didn't do it for themselves. They did it for their master and his kingdom. And we have been instructed to do the same. We need to identify our gifts and understand the value of whatever we have been given so that we can serve others as faithful stewards. The first thing the servants did was understand the value of what they had been given. But the thing that separated servants one and servant two from servant three was that they had put what they had been given to use. You know, one of the key things that we can take away from this parable is that the servants weren't judged on what they had. They were judged on what they did with it. Both servants one and two made full use of what had been entrusted to them. They invested it. They put it to use. It was servant three that dug a hole in the ground and hid his talent away. And it was servant three that was referred to as lazy and wicked. So what does it look like for us to put the gifts that we have been given to use? It means putting our gifts to work. It means investing them. It means using the knowledge and the experiences that we have to help others. It means using the skills and the abilities and the resources we have to be a blessing to those that we live, work, and laugh with. 
and it means putting into motion the dreams and the passions that God has put in our hearts. To be faithful with what you have, you need to understand the value of what you have been given, and you need to put it to use. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11 has this encouragement for us. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So once we identify what God has put in our head, our hands, and our heart, it is up to us to put those things to work. Not only here in the local church, but in our workplaces, our homes, and all of the spheres that God has put us in. One of my friends has the incredible gift of hospitality. She is a brilliant cook, but she's an even better host. She hosts people so well. She can create a space uh, for people to gather and connect, and it all happens over delicious food. For her, using her gift isn't always convenient. There's always a cost to it. You see, she's often left with the dishes at the end of a dinner party, and it costs her time and money to prepare that food and to host people for dinner. But can I tell you, it is so worth it. She uses her time with people to encourage them in their life, to encourage them in their faith, to encourage them on the journeys that God has them on. She gathers people around her table. She does life with them. She's using the skill that God has given her to cook and the abilities that she has to connect people that don't know each other, to build community. She's using the gifts that God has given her to be a blessing to others. It would be really easy for her to store up that gift for herself, to just make herself delicious dinners every night. But instead, she's putting that gift to work. You know, it might sound simple, but it's honestly profound, the impact that she has in the lives of others as she brings them around a dinner table, feeds them great food, and connects them together. It's just one example of what it means to put your gifts to use. We are to use the gifts that God has given us, not dishonor them and not waste them. They aren't for our own personal gain, but for the advancement of the kingdom. When we put our gifts to use, there is work involved. We have to develop and grow our gifts to their full potential. When servant one put his five bags of gold to use, he gained five more. His gifts grew and developed as he put them to work. And it's the same for us. As we use our gifts, as we develop them, as we put them to work, they grow. And our capacity expands. What does that look like for you? What does it look like for you to put your gifts to use? All three servants understood the value in what they had been given. 
And it was servants one and two that put what they had been given to use. So what can we learn from servant three? Verse 24 of our parable, it says, Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See here is what belongs to you. So I was afraid. It was fear. It was fear that stopped servant three from being faithful with whatever he had been given. Fear stopped him from doing anything. He literally dug a hole in the ground and hid his talents in it. For servant three, his fearfulness was greater than his faithfulness. I want to ask you today, what is fear stopping you from doing? What knowledge, experience, skills, abilities, talents, gifts, passions, and dreams lay dormant in your head, your hands, and your heart because of fear? You know, fear has stopped me from many things, and I have this collection of uh, quite random fears that people in my life like to point out often aren't normal. You see, there's things that I'm afraid of that are kind of everyday things that people like my husband and my family and friends uh, like to tell me are just not normal fears. And as I was preparing this message, I said to my husband, hey, you know those things that you always tell me aren't normal that I'm afraid of? What are some of those? Because I think I'm going to share them in my message on Sunday. And he said, how long have you got? Because if you share them all, you're going to preach as long as Jason Ellsmore. And so for the sake of this message, I've only got three that I'm going to share with you today, but the list is much longer. The first random fear that I have is a fear of falling. And this fear of falling has meant that I haven't ridden a bike since I was eight years old. The thought of riding a bike sends shivers down my spine. You know, I must have had a fall on a bike as a kid, but I haven't ridden a bike in over two decades. You know, it's not a fear that um, seriously inhibits my day-to-day life, but there have been times where my friends have wanted to get together and go for a bike ride, and I just haven't been able to go because of my fear of riding a bike. You know, one day we're going to have to teach our future children how to ride bikes, and I am going to be incredibly grateful for uh, YouTube tutorials when that day comes along. I have a fear of falling. I also have a fear of dogs. And um, it's a random one, but it's also uh, referred to as cynophobia. And it's real and it's bad, like dogs of all sizes. And uh, this fear means that if I'm going to visit someone's house, I'll often have to call or text in advance to make sure that they've got the dog locked up out the back. Otherwise, I am not walking through the front door. Some friends of ours were recently looking to uh, buy a new house and they were at some house inspections. And as they were going through the house, they were doing what you would normally do at a house inspection. They were pointing out the different rooms of the house and what those rooms could be used for. 
You know, that's going to be a great master bedroom. That one's going to be a great guest bedroom from when the family um, visits from interstate. That'll be a great nursery one day. And then they found a space in the house and they said to each other, that's going to be a great place for us to put the dog when Danny comes over. You know, these are the things that my friends think about. Thankfully, they decided to rent instead and their uh, property has a no pets allowed policy. So we are all good at the moment. I have a fear of falling, I have a fear of dogs, and I also have a fear of uh, changing lanes when driving. I don't love driving to begin with, but I got my license uh, when I turned 17 so that I could get from A to B without having to hassle my parents uh, all of the time. But I have this fear when I'm in the car of changing lanes. I really don't like the idea of merging. But the truth is I have to drive almost every day. And so I face this fear regularly. And the way that I face it is by living life in the left-hand lane. At any point possible, I try and make sure I do not have to merge. I am always in the outside lane. Even if there is a car or a truck going 20 or 40 Ks under the speed limit, I'm just the little car driving behind it. You know those people that you pass and you're like, why don't they merge? That's me. I am more than happy for my journey to take longer if it means that I don't have to change lanes. You know, those fears are kind of funny and my husband takes great joy in letting me know regularly that they're not normal. But there are some serious fears that I have. Fears that have robbed me from the joy of using what God has given me to bless others. And the biggest one is the fear of not being good enough. It's the fear of not measuring up, of letting people down, of not being enough that has stopped me from using the gifts that God has given me for his purposes. It has seen me belittle the gifts that God has entrusted to me, to underestimate their value, and to ultimately underestimate his power. You know, that fear might be something that you too can recognize has stopped you from using what God has given you to be a blessing to others, but there may have been other fears you've experienced too. For some of you, it might be the fear of failure, the fear that others are just gonna see the things that you got wrong and not the things that you got right. And that fear of failing has stopped you from stepping into all that God has for you. For others, it might be the fear of being unaccepted or rejected if you step into the dreams or the passions that God has put in your heart. And I know that we've got our YC teens here with us this morning. For some of you, the fear that may have stopped you from stepping into all that God has for you might be the fear that you're too young. I want to tell you this morning, it's not true. You are not too young to start using the gifts that God has given you. And for others of you, I'm not going to put an age bracket on this, For others of you, it may be the fear that you're too old, that time has passed you by, that it's too late to launch that business, to go back and study, to serve in that ministry, to step into all that God has for you. I want to remind you this morning that you are not too old, that while there is breath in your lungs, God is still at work in your life and he still wants to use what he has given you to advance his kingdom. It was fear 
that got in the way of servant three's faithfulness. Fear meant that he hid his gold in the ground rather than put it to use. I want to tell you this morning, don't let fear get in the way of your faithfulness. We see these truths in the parable of the talents, but we also see them embodied in Jesus. Jesus did not let fear get in the way of his faithfulness. When we look at the very next chapter of Matthew, Matthew 26, we see Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. He was asking God to take this cup from him, to take the responsibility and the weight that he, of what he was about to step into from him. He was asking if there was any other way. Now, we don't know if he was afraid, but wouldn't you be fearful of death even if you knew it was something you needed to do? Jesus was coming to give his life as a gift to us. There was joy in that for Jesus, and he understood the value because of God's desire to be in relationship with us. But don't you reckon physically, he would have been a bit afraid of what was to come. Jesus didn't let fear stop him. Jesus used the gifts that God had given him to be a blessing to others. He healed the sick. He helped the broken. He gave sight to the blind. He shared meals with the outcasts and he loved the sinners. Jesus is the ultimate example of using what is in our head, our hands and our heart for kingdom purposes. And he also made the ultimate sacrifice. Jesus gave his life for you and for me. He took our sin and our shame to the cross. He died so that we could have the opportunity to have eternal life in heaven with God forever. Talk about a kingdom investment. The exciting thing about the gospel story is that three days later, he rose again. He walked with his disciples and before he ascended into heaven, he left them with some instructions. We can read about Jesus' death and resurrection in Matthew chapters 26 and 27. And if you've never read that story before, I want to encourage you to either grab a Bible from our welcome lounge on your way home or get the Bible app on your phone and read Matthew 26 and Matthew 27. It's an incredible story. But following these passages in Matthew 28 is the Great Commission. These were the instructions that Jesus left uh, with his disciples. And they are just as relevant to those guys uh, as they were to those guys back then as they are to us today. And we can find the Great Commission in Matthew uh, 28, verses 16 to 20. It says this. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. What a challenge. What an exciting commission. Jesus did not commission us to go and hide what we've been given in the ground. 
He commissioned us to go. He commissioned us to go and make disciples. He has put us to work. We have an important task on our hands and it is going to take each and every one of us using what God has put in our head, our hands and our heart to make it happen. You know, I love seeing this church filled with people who are using the gifts that God has given them to make a difference in our community, our nation and our world. And I want to share with you this morning about three of the people that have been doing that in this place for many years, but that have have had a significant impact on my faith journey. The first person I want to tell you about is a a lady called Linda. Linda isn't here this morning because she's actually part of our Logan campus. But Linda heads up our CareWorks ministry, a ministry that welcomes refugees and migrants, that builds community with them, and helps them with homework and study and skills in using computers. I first met Linda when I was 15 and I was heading off on a gateway youth mission trip. Linda and her husband Peter came along as the trip parents. They were the wise and mature ones of the lot. And uh, it was on that trip that I got to see Linda's heart for justice. I saw her heart for seeing all people of all backgrounds welcomed into loving community. You know, Linda's a great example of someone using the gifts that God has put in their head to be a blessing to others. Linda studied as a teacher many years ago and has worked as a teacher in a number of states around our country. But Linda now heads up our CareWorks ministry. She's using her teaching skills and abilities to be a blessing to refugees and migrants in our Logan community. And not only is she helping them, but she's also raising up a group of teachers that are working with her at CareWorks to be a blessing in that community. Linda is a great example of someone using the gifts that God has put in their head to be a blessing to others. Another person I want to tell you about is Nathan, and I know he's in here somewhere. Nathan is um, one of my best mates, and Nathan was actually on guitar this morning. You'll see him up here a little bit later on. Nathan is an incredibly gifted musician. He has been playing guitar on the worship team here at McKenzie for 13 years, since he was a high schooler. Before that, he served um, on our production team doing the overhead projector slides that we used to use back in the day. When his dad was leading worship, he was the guy down the front kind of making sure all the slides went on at the right time. Nathan is an incredibly gifted guitarist. God has given him that skill and Nathan has developed that skill over time as well. He's grown the skill that God has given him. And he's used that skill to be a blessing to all of us as he and the team lead us in worship each week. You know, our worship team are often the first ones here every Sunday morning. And they're here practicing and rehearsing and using their gifts so that they can lead us into God's presence through worship. Not only is Nathan a gifted guitarist who shares his gifts here with us on a Sunday, but he also coaches and leads a whole bunch of our guitarists from all of our campuses. No matter what campus you're in, the guitarist on stage has been coached by and encouraged by Nathan. He shared his skills, the things that he's learned from being on the worship team uh, over the years with young and upcoming guitarists and also older guys that have joined the team as well. Nathan is a great example of someone who has used the gifts that God has put in his hands to be a blessing 
to others. Thirdly, I want to tell you about Yvonne. Yvonne's sitting just down here this morning, and there's a picture of her and her husband on the screen behind me. Yvonne was the very first person to welcome my family to Gateway over 15 years ago. She embodies what it means when we say that everyone who comes through our doors is welcome. She met us, she remembered our names, and every Sunday when we came through the doors, she would ask us how our week had been or how school was going. You know, God has put within her a passion to see people connected into community and to see people loved and welcomed in this church that she has loved for so many years. And she has been doing that in this place for decades. I know that my family aren't the only ones that have been welcomed through those doors by Yvonne. She's also used the gifts that God's given her up at our op shop for a while, and now she serves on our welcome lounge team, welcoming people that come through those doors, answering questions they might have about church and faith and connecting them into community. Yvonne is a brilliant example of someone that has used the passions that God has put in their heart to be a blessing to our church and our community. All three of those people have used the gifts that God has given them to be a blessing in this place. They've blessed me, but they've also blessed a whole bunch of you. I want to ask you this morning, what has God put in your head? What has God put in your hands? And what has God put in your heart that you can use for his purposes? There is so much potential in this room right now. So many different gifts and talents, abilities, skills, passions, experiences, and dreams right here, right now. Let's be a church full of people that puts those things to work. Let's be faithful with what we have been given. Let's work to identify those gifts in ourselves, but let's also work to call those gifts out in others. And together, we can put those things to work. Let's be known for the way that we use what God has given us for his purposes. Let's be influencers, not for ourselves, but influencers for his kingdom. And let's not let fear get in the way of all that God has for us. Imagine our workplaces, our schools, our universities, our homes, and our communities. If each one of us took on the responsibility of using what God has put in our head, our hands, and our heart for his purposes. We've all been given gifts. And just like that scratch map that I gave Richo all of those years ago, the gifts that we've been given weren't intended to go unused. They weren't intended to be hidden. They've been given so that we can use them to further God's kingdom. To be faithful with what you have, you need to understand the value of what you have been given and you need to put it to use. So today, what do you have? What has God put in your head, your hands and your heart? And how can you use those things for his purposes? Do you see the value in it? 
And finally, how are you putting it to work? We're going to make time to pray for those of you this morning that may feel that God has birthed within you a dream or a passion or skills and abilities that you want to see used for His purposes. But before we do that, I want to make an opportunity right now for people to uh, come into relationship with Jesus. You know, maybe you've been sitting here this morning and as we've taken communion or as we've uh, shared together this morning, you haven't necessarily understood what it means or ever made the decision uh, for yourself to follow Jesus. We want to make uh, space in our service this morning for you to make that decision. It's the best decision that you can ever make. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to get people to close their eyes and bow their heads. And if that's you this morning, you can identify that you haven't made the choice for yourself or the decision for yourself to choose to follow Jesus, to put your faith in Him, to step into relationship with Him, then I would love for you to raise your hand. We're going to pray a prayer together. And it's the first step in you uh, stepping into all that God has for you. So if that's you in this place, if you want to say yes to following Jesus, if you want to say yes to putting your faith in Him, I want to ask you to raise your hand nice and high so I can see it. We'd love to pray with you and for you this morning. So if that's you, do you want to raise your hand? No worries, why don't you open your eyes? We, uh, as a church, make an opportunity in every single service for people to uh, put their faith in Jesus. But that doesn't only have to happen in a church service. It's a journey that goes for a lifetime, but it's a decision that you can make at any point and any time. And so if that's you, if you're exploring what it looks like to follow Jesus or you want to find out more, I want to encourage you to head to our welcome lounge after the service because we've got some resources that we would love to put in your hands to help you as you come to understand what living a life for Jesus might mean for you. We're all going to worship together to finish our service. So why don't you stand to your feet where you are? We're going to sing a song that talks about being used by God to go out into all of the places that He might have called us to, to be a blessing in this world. But I wanna make an opportunity for those of you that might feel that God has birthed within you a dream or a passion. Maybe there's gifts or skills that He's put within you that you know He is calling you to put to use. Maybe it's a dream or a passion to start a business, to go and study to step into a ministry or maybe it's a place He's calling you to go. If you can identify with that within you this morning, if you know that He's birthing something new in you, we want to pray for you and commission you this morning. So I want to encourage you as the band sings to make your way down the front and our prayer team and our pastoral team are going to be down here and they would love to pray for you and commission you. God's birthing something new in you. A passion, a dream, visions, gifts, skills, and abilities. I want to encourage you to come down the front 
to get prayer and be prayed uh, for and commissioned in our church community this morning. So if that's you, make your way down the front. The team would love to pray for you. And the rest of us, let's declare God's goodness in this place. Let's be open to what He wants to do in us and through us as we put our gifts to work. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If you've made a decision to follow Christ, we would love to encourage you on your journey. Help us help you by going to gatewaybaptist.com.au and clicking on Get Connected.